good morning. I want to say good morning, but it could be any time we get this. Well, welcome to Love Lighthouse, the podcast. And yeah, I was just wondering about today's particular message and really delivering this today. Um, we've got a very interesting one with regards to the church. So a lot of truth, a lot of light. We talked about St. Lucy. St. Lucy has to do with the truth and the light. So there's a lot going to be like coming to the light with regards to today's messages. I'm very, very knowledgeable. Thanks be to God. I'm not boasting. I'm just, I, you know, I'm going to be humble um, in um, truthfulness. I'm also very innocent and humble or I've grown up in that kind of way and like not questioning things and then seeing things being uncovered like later on that kind of thing um you know doing everything out of good intent despite you know what others might project on because of their uh lives and what they do but in any case I can see this very clearly today and I'm going to shed some light on um, a few things because of the knowledge and the wisdom that I have um, through the Holy Spirit, but also through understanding different texts. As you know, um, I have read different Bibles um, all the way through, um, so I don't really tend to kind of mess anything out. Having a good grasp of the English language in many different levels means that perhaps I know a little bit more than some people that for sure only have like one type of language um, or their like mother tongue is in English, then it might be more difficult for them to understand that there's actually like a lot they need to, they need to really, really like get that they perhaps don't. So um, let's be mindful of that because some people would get really quite angry and annoyed about the differences in the Bible and the way that it's presented and how people could possibly like um, be following one type of Bible when it's saying things that are entirely antithesis to the originals and all that kind of thing. You're like, how could you be so unfaithful? Like, you know, how could you be so, why would you do this? You have to understand that, so this is for two lots of people perhaps or more, we have to understand that there are many, many people that have actually come over to this country and English is not their first language. And they could be easily led into thinking, well, this is the Roman Catholic Church. It's translated from the Latin and it's translated into English in this church and we'll just believe that even although it's nowhere like the original, it's nothing like the original um, Latin, it's nothing like perhaps the original Hebrew text and it's a long way from home where it started with the apostles and in the hearts and souls. So only someone with a royal background and with um, the lineage can understand some of these things. Many other people that lack the faith, let alone (laughs) the lineage, are going to find it very tough. So let's not just be too quick to blame. It is, you know, I know that when you see people like just doing this, you think you might want to be really angry or annoyed like how could you be running off with this type of scripture when it's totally like the wrong thing but let's remember there are innocent people out there that just don't know this right and they are just kind of believing in what certain people within certain churches are saying without questioning it um you know it's to a certain extent that's even in the bible too but um, there are parts in St Paul's. So if you go to St Paul's, really, um, out of all of these, you'll be able to ascend um, St Peter as the foundation, but you're going to stay at the foundation if that's all you do. We do need to bear in mind 
St. Peter's um, way of respecting uh, the authority of the church, but understand overall what St. Paul is saying. So it's a kind of a fine balance when you're ascending. Um, but if you just stay at the foundation, you're never going to follow after Christ's footsteps because Christ ascended. So you're not really going to ever be a proper disciple if you just stay at the bottom. You're not ever going to be um, a true believer in Christ if you only stay at the level of professing, for example, Christ's death. Um, for example, this is just one example. So if you only stay at that level with the foundational church of, okay, I'm going to profess Christ's death, you know, or declare his death and profess his resurrection sometimes on some of the days um but you don't actually put that into action like if you don't ever put the fact that he ascended into action you're not really a believer of his full ascension that he's sitting at the right hand of god do you understand that for example when people have the eucharist they are declaring that the Lord has died. Do you know that when you eat that bread, you're just basically stating the Lord has died. But the Lord isn't dead. The Lord did die and did come back again. But if you're taking that bread, remember, you could be like, if depending how knowingly you're doing things, obviously, if you're doing that and fully aware that that is professing his death until he comes again, you're basically saying he hasn't come again into your life. Okay, this wasn't even planned for today. It's just coming through as something that we need to be aware of. Um, now, how many people are doing that because they're following on... Um, and the foundations of doing what they're told to do. Now, you are told to do this even by Christ. He says, do this in remembrance of me. But do you do something in remembrance of somebody when you've received them and when they're with you? Or do you do something in remembrance of someone when they've actually died and you're waiting on the resurrection? You're waiting on them to be lifted up at the, at the, the end days, the last day, right? So when do you do it? Do you do it when you're still uncovering the remembrance? Do you do it when you've remembered? Do you do it when that, that soul, that spirit, that person, that being is sent down the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit is within you and you have connection then therefore and you're in like full remembrance. You don't need to try to remember but you actually have the Holy Spirit there with you. Do you do it in these different circumstances or is it just for people that are only declaring his death, like they do not believe that he's come again. Do you understand Jesus actually did come again? He went to hell after he instituted the Eucharist, as some people say, or after he had the bread and the wine and he told them to do it in remembrance of him. Until, and then as Paul says, until he comes again. Paul says that later on, you're professing his death until he comes again. Christ didn't say that. So when he stated it, he stated, do this in remembrance of me. So it is a very, very high command. It's a very important command. But remember that they did that. And this was right before he was crucified and he died. He did um, he was crucified, he did die, but what else did he do? He didn't stay dead, he didn't stay in hell, he rose again. So here's the difference between the believers and the non-believers, the ones who have received Christ and the ones that haven't received Christ. Some people believe, and they know because they've received the Holy Spirit, they believe that not only did he just die, but he actually rose again. He rose again. And he actually was in a transfigured form. So he already came back. 
And those with the Holy Spirit should know that he's not just come back again. He's actually here all the time. Now, yes, um, some would say there is um, a further expectancy of like an even deeper of him coming back as he unfolds in our life and an actual him appearing um, face to face in front of us kind of thing. So there's that as well. But do you believe in the spirit without seeing or are you going to be waiting to poke around <laughs> like Thomas? Like, are you not going to believe? Blessed are those who believe without seeing. So some people know in the spirit because they've received the Holy Spirit and they have the revelation. So it's very important to be discerning and careful with our actions and what we're doing because our actions state something. What we do with our body matters. As I heard in someone's um, video also stating, but I'm stating it in a, in a, a level of, of belief in Christ's resurrection and ascension and his spirit being here with, with me. So I state this in a very different level. What you do, what we do with our body matters. So if you're having the bread and you're stating that Christ died, but you don't believe in Christ's resurrection and that he's actually come back again and he's here with you, so therefore you have communion anyway, like you can be a walking um eucharistic um person in your living now because you have received the holy spirit if you're doing the opposite and you are saying something opposite with your body that christ hasn't come back again remember what that saying what that action is saying. It says he hasn't come back yet. You're saying you're still awaiting on him. You haven't received the Holy Spirit. Christ hasn't come back. You don't believe that Christ is ascended to the right hand of God. We need to be careful because if we do something with our bodies, it can bring on condemnation and bring you to death because you are only alive if you have Christ within you. And Christ within you are the words of Christ and the spirit is the life. So if you haven't received Christ's spirit and you're just having the bread, the Eucharist, you're basically stating Christ hasn't come back into your life again. Unless there's some other calling on this, unless there's some other calling, but I'm very, very concerned at the moment and if someone else would like to tell me otherwise um about this then you know I'd be happy to listen but it concerns me of the of the love of the Lord but and some people say fear doesn't exist in love of course it doesn't but we do not want to do the wrong thing and there should be some level of fear in um if there's a question of something, of doing something, and if there isn't a question of something, of doing something, you're not in ascension. You're in one point or another. You've either stayed at the foundation or you've fully ascended. If you never um, have that point of hesitancy of, oh, you know, um, before there's full faith in your next step, you should have hope and faith, full hope and faith, when you finally go to take that ascension and the ascension path is... You should be being mindful and careful. And if you don't have any um, thought towards that, then I don't think there's any level of respect there. And I'd be very careful because you could be tottering into the wrong place if that's the case. So vitally important um, that we consider what our actions are saying. Because if your actions are saying that you do not believe that Christ is... Um, you don't believe in Christ. You haven't accepted Christ's spirit, therefore. Remember, there's only one other person out of the so-called disciples that behaved in that way that didn't accept Christ. Had, you know, was obviously God and who went against him. There's only one other person that did that.
but all the others believed in Christ. And so if you believe and you've accepted his Holy Spirit, would your behaviour be different? Would there be certain actions you wouldn't be taking because you had received the, the full um, reverence of the Holy Spirit and then obviously believe the fact that he has ascended and therefore you're not needing to do anything with the Eucharist in that way because you know that he's not just dead and that's it. You're fully accepting of him. So it's something to ponder, to think further about, to pray about. Um, as I say, if you'd like to enlighten me on anything different in accordance with this, I'd like to know about it, but I'm going to tell you that I have watched, observed, witnessed and listened to um, certain people talk about this and certain people that are in the practice of this um, and they are they don't believe. They say it with their mouth, but they don't believe in Christ. They don't believe that Christ heals. Um, they're fully involved in taking drugs in the medical field and they say things that are blasphemous towards the Holy Spirit and those that carry the Holy Spirit. So they're not believers, they're Judas Iscariots and they take part in the eating of the bread. And don't forget, Judas Iscariot was one that took part in the eating of the bread as well. And so did the disciples, but he did come again. So let's just have a, a little bit more of a question and, um, you know, uh, pondering about this, uh, praying about this to make sure that everybody's doing really the right thing in accordance with their level of belief and their level of faith and whether or not they have received Christ's Holy Spirit or not, right? It's very important because what we do with our body does matter. It states something, it makes a statement, it makes a very um, perhaps clear difference. As I say, unless any other information is to come to light, it makes a clear difference of those who have received Christ's spirit and then believe in his ascension, therefore, truly, and then what they'll do, as opposed to what someone does who just um, will state, well, he's dead. It's very different. Right, let's get into the scriptures today because, again, this was actually the real point that... Um, I wanted to share with you is that there's a very big difference in the scriptures today which can make a lot of difference to your life um so many people come into this not really having English as their first language this is going to probably be a big help to you but it's going to be a help to everybody that you know understands English very well too um it's the, the last one we're going to be looking at and it talks about um, St. John. We're going to look at that in the original um, texts. So it's Luke and we're going to look at it with what Universalis brings up um, because Universalis for most people is gonna, or not most, but a lot of people will be looking at that um, or listening to it and certainly will hear it in many churches. But if they only hear that and they don't have any real ability to go and do their own research um, and, you know, they're not really into education as much they're not really going to be as inquisitive perhaps as me and they're not going to know these different differences that are vitally important for their salvation it's a matter of heaven and hell literally um so i'm going to go to kgv for this as well we'll look between the two so one of them's a very revised version and one of them's going to be one of the original english i'll even go to what's I think is classed as the original Catholic as well. Do we so we've got like a broad spectrum and 
nobody's left out because nobody should ever be left out of these things, right? So I've got it all set, so it should be fairly seamless, but bear with me with this today and we can go right through everything and that way it'll be very helpful. It would be the most important is the Holy Spirit. That's what's most important. And that's the, the spirit that's working within me that's bringing this to the light. Today, um, this very, very important point in looking between the scriptures is the Holy Spirit, I fully believe. So that's what's helping us with this today. Um, that is what's first, the Holy Spirit of Christ is the most important. But there is also, you know, if you want to go a step down, you would be really looking into the original texts, the Jewish, the Torah, right? And you'd be looking at the Hebrew, the Ar- um, Aramaic. You would be then looking into how that was translated to Latin. And then you would look from the Latin into the original um, English translations so that English translation that's really, I've noticed, is very clean and very similar um, to the Latin is actually um, what would probably be described initially by, I mean, it just depends. Let me just make this clear. Um, It depends really how you look at it. But many people have described this as a reform. Well, makes sense, isn't it? Even the Catholic Church is reformational, but it's like reformational. People would look at the KGV as, and it's very, very close to the Roman Catholic um, Latin. It's very clean, very close. But the further on the Roman Catholic in the English, in terms of the revised version, and goes the further on it goes, it actually gets really far from its original um, Latin Roman Catholic Church, and it's even further from like the King James uh, in terms of the uh, the Reformational. Like it's really, really like even like far more reformed from that to the point where entire pieces of text and the meanings of them and what actually happened is completely a different account altogether like entirely so it's very very important to understand this so I hope you're learning something new today when you come here to understand that perhaps what you're hearing in church is very far removed from the original meaning and we're going to bring a little bit more light to different things today as is very very important The first reading is from Isaiah 45 and we're reading from the Universalis to start with. So this is a very revised version of the Bible by this point. I, the Lord, so I don't know, some of you be like, is this Roman Catholic or is this like Protestant? It's called, it's labelled as coming from the Roman Catholic Church, but it's very reformed if that makes sense. Okay, so I, the Lord, shall create deliverance. Apart from me, all is nothing. I am the Lord, unrivaled. I form the light and create the dark. I make good fortune and create calamity. Hang on a second, that sounds like yesterday's readings. And it is. Okay, hang on a minute. Come back to this. Reading the other form of universalis. We're going to go to it's Isaiah 54. Mm. With great love, I will take you back. Shout for joy, you barren women, women who bore no children. Break into cries of joy and gladness, you who were never in labor. For the sons of the forsaken one are more in number than the sons of the wedded wife, says the Lord. Widen the space of your tent. Stretch out your hangings freely. Lengthen your ropes. Make your pegs firm. For you will burst out to right and to left. 
your race will take possession of the nations and people the abandoned cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not be dismayed. You will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and no longer remember the curse of your widowhood. For now your creator will be your husband. His name, the Lord of hosts. Your redeemer will be the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Yes, like a forsaken wife distressed in spirit, the Lord calls you back. Does a man cast off the wife of his youth? Says your God. I did forsake you for a brief moment. But with great love will I take you back. In excess of anger, for a moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I have taken pity on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. I am now, as I was in the days of Noah, when I swore that Noah's waters should never flood the world again. So now I swear concerning my anger with you and the threats I made against you. For the mountains may depart, the hills be shaken, but my love for you will never leave you, and my covenant of peace with you will never be shaken, says the Lord, who takes pity on you. What a beautiful text in so many ways of this very revised version. If you read it in some of the other versions, it can, I'm going to be honest, it could actually be even more distressing. So there is that about some of these revised versions, and you can hear this, you know that I'm being very um, fair and I'm not just trying to paint it one way or another, but I am elevating things. I am unfolding different um, things for us here. So this is, is so important. But some might say, looking not just at, um, you know, how the scriptures change, but more just purely the scripture in and of itself and what God's saying here. Does it sound like one minute God loves and then one minute God hates, one minute God hates, one minute God loves? Like, is this really appropriate um, and what's going on? Well, again, it's all to do with just what we talked about, ascension, and the not knowing or the different choices that people make and then what it feels like in terms of what's happening in your life. Like, to ascend can be tricky um, and it might feel like sometimes through that ascension because you're having to make changes because perhaps different people are going from your life because you can't stay in the one position, that it might feel to you or to them like, what is the word for it really? Like, it might just feel like abandoned, being abandoned because you have to change. If someone else doesn't, you can't keep doing what they're doing you can't live alongside them. It's not going to be comfortable. And so the tension between um, something to other to remain, so for something to work out or something not, and you have to move on. If you have to be faithful to Christ to keep moving, that's why it talks about, you know, there's going to be times where you're going to, you realise that you have to be faithful, put Christ first. You cannot stay in a situation or with people that aren't willing to make those changes. Otherwise, you could be in debauchery or doing something wrong, right? If you do, the, if you keep staying with them, doing the same things they're doing. So you can't do that. So that is why it might feel like to you that either they're abandoning you because they're not willing to make the changes that are necessary to be like a better person, or they might feel that you're abandoning them because you're making the changes to keep following Christ and to keep ascending. So they might feel that way. And with this in life, this means that some people will get to a point where they've never been married. Like maybe they've always had hopes that they would meet someone and or they would be with someone. But when they met people, it just turned out that it was going to be like a friendship and perhaps they were just there as... um. like an evangelist just to help like evangelize someone's life and like help them to to move and to change in their life and and give them that opportunity so again this is why it's talking to um wives or not a wife rather not wives but to 
a widow or to women that have never like had children so there's different types of women it talks to here um so there might be some people that just have never like they've never married because they've they've been faithful to Christ and so due to that they've never like stayed like yoked with someone you know they've listened to Christ so it's like do not be yoked with unbelievers so because someone else hasn't believed they've just they've had to keep going um because of their faithfulness to Christ and they just have never married therefore as a result because of their faithfulness to Christ so you think about some priests or nuns but there are people that don't have these names attached to them that are even more faithful like let's not forget like there are many priests and nuns that aren't faithful to Christ they're just going to confession and perhaps sinning it doesn't make them a great person just because they've got a label attached to them. There are people out there that don't have any labels that are really, really faithful and are staying chaste and celibate and don't have to go to confession to say, by the way, I'm not doing that anymore and I'm, I'm messed up in that. They actually haven't messed up and they're actually like properly being able to be chaste and celibate and they're able to be faithful. Um, There are people like that out there in the Reformed Church that will be able to do this honestly and therefore don't have to go to confession about this. They have the high priest over them. So they're literally like that faithful that they will not deviate from that path. Hello. Um, I'm walking along a path um, right now and have been doing so for years where I have been chased and celibate. I just um, realise that if I'm not going to be that, I could end up just being fooled by so many people that make out that they're going to be for me or they're going to be wanting to be married to me when really... And then there's going to be more and more ascension and what do we do at that point? So I've realised that really, to be honest with you, sometimes there are just certain people that are called to be set apart but it doesn't mean that they don't have the ability to be a mother or like a wife in some ways it's just a more chaste and celibate way of doing that it's like if a, a priest were to be truly faithful for example he, pro- he wouldn't you know if he had christ christ was here on earth with him he wouldn't be a, a priest they say but in that way in the church but if um, let's say someone were to be living like a priest then, but they were like very faithful, as in like they had the high priest over them like all the time, then, I mean, they would be living like that as well, just chaste and celibate. And I, I mean, you know, but they would have even adults who were like children to them and they would be helping them in some way, shape or form. So again, this is why it says like, just because you, you're you not in a physical relationship right now doesn't mean to say that you don't have the ability to be a mother or a father, a mum or a dad rather, to, to different people. Like Go ahead and be confident at saying because you will have um, many people that are like sons and daughters or are like family to you. Um, regardless of this and so that's why it talks about lengthening your ropes make your pegs firm for you will burst out to the right and to the left and um, god will make i know god makes my people take possession of the nations and um the cities i see that all the time that's happening with our forces with our and um, with our people of god that they take possession. This is from the scriptures. This is from the holy scriptures that we are to do this, and that's what we do. Um, but we do it for the right reasons. And you'll notice. I mean, I pray for this every night. I pray for our forces, um, well throughout the day as well. But um, to be respected, respectful, um, honored, honorable, 
Um, I give thanks. I don't just pray for this as if it's not happening. I give thanks for it as well. Like I give thanks and I pray for the continuance of it. So bear that in mind. I'm not asking for it as if it doesn't happen. I'm giving thanks because I know it already happens. Um, but I'm asking for the continuation of it, that they are respected. And when they negotiate with other countries and with other people of other countries, that it is good for everybody and that, um, you know, they're successful and that success brings goodness to the entire world. So these are the kind of intentions that I have. And I know this is happening, that when they're going out there and they're working um, in different places across the world, whether it's on the seas with our Navy or in other places, whether they're trying to, um, you know, watch out and stop uh, strange ships from coming over perhaps there are persecutors of Christians that intend to come over and they're not just you know and I don't mean to say this people that are seeking um you know refuge there are people that are coming over with bad intent they will come in between that and stop that but they will also be very mindful that there are people that do need to come in to genuinely seek refuge and they will be and working in kind ways to make sure that they can discern between these different types of um, situations. So they're highly successful. They're highly um, understanding of the spirit and they're highly discerning to see what types of um, people are coming in here. How do we make sure that, for example, there's children perhaps and adults coming over here um, and they genuinely need to seek refuge, they're going to make sure that that's done safely and that these people are respected. But they're also going to be able to discern in the spirit, ah, that's someone that's trying to come into this country that's a persecutor of Christians. We're going to put um, a stop to this there. If someone's trying to come in for reasons of harm, they will put an end to that. So, um, you know, these people are highly skilled, highly trained, highly motivated, highly capable. I know I've seen them in action. I see myself in action. I've seen them in action. And I know, therefore, through witnessing how good they are. So I pray for this all the time and thanks and furtherance for it. And it does happen. So it's a very realistic piece of scripture. And always, let's look to the responsorial psalm of Psalm 29. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you have raised my soul from the dead, restored me to life from those who sink into the grave. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me. Sing psalms to the Lord, you who love him. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts a moment, his favour all through life. At night, there are tears, but joy comes with dawn. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me. The Lord listened and had pity. The Lord came to my help. For me, you have changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, I will thank you forever. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me. Alleluia, alleluia. The day of the Lord is near. Look, he comes to save us. Alleluia. And the gospel according to Luke, a prophet and much more than a prophet. This is from chapter seven. And this is the bit we're going to extend on. And the reason for this is actually the second Alleluia, which is preparing about preparing a way for the Lord. Right. So it's important to prepare the way to even out and straighten paths. And this is how we do it through wisdom. A prophet and much more than a prophet. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to talk to the people about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the breeze? No. Then what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Oh no. Those who go in for fine clothes and live luxuriously are to be found at court. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. He is the one of whom scripture says, 
See, I am going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare the way before you. I tell you, of all the children born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. All the people who heard him, and the tax collectors too, acknowledged God's plan by accepting baptism from John, but by refusing baptism from him, the Pharisees and the lawyers had thwarted what God had in mind for them. This is very important, and it reminded me when I was thinking about it, of going out into the wilderness of Glen Tanner, mm, yes, and being out there, and of course, having that child within us, um, in other words, the spirit to baptise through what we're going through, what we're saying is the baptism in and of itself that Christ brings. And it is a baptism that is going to be talked about in the Holy, the scriptures on Sunday. And so we get to hear a little bit more about it. Like, well, okay, John's come, but Christ has come now. So where John had baptised with water, Christ, when you receive Christ, Christ's baptism is entirely different. And that's why a lot of people um, don't want to have that. They would rather have... So there's two ways of looking at this. Some people would rather um, actually, you know, have John's baptism and not really go through the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're very jealous of those that do go through that. Remember James and John? Remember as they spoke to Jesus and Jesus said, well, are you sure you're ready for the baptism that I'm having? So it is quite different. So we do need to bear that in mind as well of the different types of baptism. Now, um, let's have a look. We're going to now look at this across the different texts and get it from uh, an original place. So it's 19 to 23, I need to bear that in mind. We're going to do the King James first and then we're going to go over to the Reims version. Now listen and pray about the differences here. And John calling unto him two of his disciples. Oh no, that's the right. That's not the one. That's the one from yesterday. Let's get back to this. It's 24 to 30. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. For I say unto you, Among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptised with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptised of him. And so what I want to say about the difference here is the fact that the hymn at the end could be being not baptised of God 
in any way, shape or form or being not baptised of John in particular. And I think that that is one that needs to be pondered on more so. There's also the, the, the part that, for I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And that's an interesting one to say as well. He that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So... <clears throat> Yes. Oh, glory to God. He that is in the kingdom is God, is Christ, right? As well, is greater than he. Because remember, oh, glory to God. Christ made himself the least of them. So he made himself less than, even although he was more than and everything. He is, oh, here we go, 1044. And so we're seeing the numbers of the sealed. He is the one who is more than all, but has also made himself the least in the kingdom of God in order to come and to serve God over all. The omnipresence, omnipotent one, God Almighty, to save the lost sheep. He made himself the least in the kingdom of God. But he is the one that is more than he. And he is the one that baptises with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Let's look at the Reims version just ever so quickly. 19 to 23. So that we've got a good balance. And no one can say that I'm pushing anything a certain way. And they'll know that it's um, the call to help people from Christ about the ascension. And John called to him two of his disciples and sent them to Jesus. Say, oh, no, no, no. 23, 24. Ah, wait a minute. Twenty-four to thirty. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What went ye out into the desert to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Behold, they that are in costly apparel and live delicately are in the houses of kings. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my angel before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say to you, amongst those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is the lesser in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people hearing and the publicans justified God, being baptised with John's baptism. But the Pharisees and the lawyers despised the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptised by him. So again, you can see even the Reims and the King James Version are closer together, um, but there are slight differences as well. But there are a lot of differences between those two and the actual revised version. They have um, put words in and names where there weren't words and names in the most revised version that you'll hear in church today. So it's vitally important that you understand that and that you understand the huge difference it makes when a name is not there. 
and then the amount of prayer and meditation upon that and the Holy Spirit that will come through that perhaps um, those who were revising it did so in consultation with the Holy Spirit or in consultation with this, let's say, the Spirit and the Spirit guiding them gave them this at this time. But to continue to make the most out of this and to ascend and to always put God first, we have to read it with the Spirit again and read between the lines and between these texts as well and then hear the Spirit overall. So it's a very, very good one. Um, we are going to be moving on. As I was saying, tomorrow is um, Friday, the 17th of December. 2021 and I'm going to be doing a major focus on the book A Christmas Prayer Set and Journal will be shared with you and I'm really looking forward to this it's going to be the novena so if you've never done a novena before you can get to do this novena on Friday get to start and again don't worry if you don't catch it until later you can start your novena anytime you can even start it on Christmas Day and do nine days from Christmas Day. In fact, you can start this any time throughout the year, even in the baptism of the Lord. Speaking of baptisms, we can do this at any point in time. Um, so whenever you get it, it's going to be good for you to begin it. And when you do, though, I really strongly advise that you keep in connection with it and you flow with it throughout the days. If you miss a day, you can go back. It's just a little bit more difficult to keep on top of things. So I suggest, God willing, that you be able to do so regularly and consecutively with the days.